Oh, Roman, it's so good to see you, you green, you green leprechaun of a man. Ugh, that it is. That it is. And Django, what is what? it that makes you hop along to our dandy, our dandy forest today on the fourth of the fourth of St. Patrick's Day? Oh, I just like dandies. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a problem with character-based humor? Are you saying this isn't a character? Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> gun? oh no. Oh God. You've introduced another voice, and when I hear things, I have a hard time not doing those things, too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's the 4th of St. Patrick's Day. Right, that's where we are. We're it's back the, to it now. It's you know, the 4th of St. Patrick's. <laughs> I'm wearing no green, and I'll punch anybody in the nose who says anything about it. Welcome, welcome in, welcome, New Directions, number five, it's the fifth one. It's the fifth time that we've had to discern which which direction we're heading in new this week. It's a comic book podcast. Southwest and Mirth. Always Northwest. It's a comic book podcast brought to you by the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. Django, Roman, and Jeff sit down together. They stare with furrowed brows at one another until one of them gets so uncomfortable they speaks. And when they do speaks something good comes out. This podcast is actually the combination of about nine hours of us doing that hard thinking and speak sings. And then I dutifully remove all of the silences. It's a labor of love. And I do it because I love to shine a light on the man that I love, Django Boren, the light of my life, the intellect oh, that no, drives me here. forward, the flashlight that shines out of my heart. Django, how are you, my friend? Let's do your podcast. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm really glad that you guys could be here for my podcast. Me too. And, uh, we're heading in a new direction. We have to name a new direction, which is similar to naming a new color, a new number, or a new body part that nobody's ever seen before. There Cardinal many of those North on us. Cardinal, Cardinal North. North. <laughs> this podcast is called Cardinal North. It's a bunch of red friends um, who love the Cardinals. Roman. Uh, no, nope, I don't like it already. Roman, who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? I'm I'm, uh, I'm I've been studying up on Cardinal Norths, you know, because mm. I, I have to play them in an upcoming production over at the Theater Guild. Um, right, right, right. And, and when do tickets at, go on sale? By the way, uh, uh, March 26th. Love it. March. 26th. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried though, because it turns out Cardinal North was kind of a bastard and and you know just a lot of dark stuff in his past. I remember being very surprised when the pr- production that I thought was about the general objective direction North was actually about Cardinal North, the cl- Catholic yeah. war criminal from World War One, who yeah. had single-handedly invented mustard gas, consumed enough mustard to make everyone in his castled kingdom uh, sick by his bowel movements, the sounds and smells that his bowels made. And if you try to go to Colonel Mustard's, General Mustard's, or Cardinal Mustard's, um, Cardinal North's, fuck, I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> Cardinal North, North, North. There Cardinal was a moment, North in the library with the monkey wrench. There was a moment during that that I started thinking about Elden Ring, and that's when it all <laughs> fell apart. It was when I was thinking about like fallen castles and like mustard clouds taking me to bosses. And yes, I am somebody who wants to be playing Elden Ring right now, but I also love podcasts. So I'm going to talk about comics on a podcast, but do know that Elden Ring is in my life and I want to be playing it. 
Ah, oh, damn it. I'm so old. I referred to Django earlier. I referred to uh, Elden Ring as Elder Ring. <laughs> yeah. I'm so old that I didn't correct you. <laughs> I'm so old that I played it for four hours today after finishing my work. Um, and it was the best part of my day. And then at one point I said, oh, fuck, I have to stop playing so I can go read comics for this podcast. <laughs> and I did. And then I tended to some Kieran beef because I was we tending are, to Kieran beef. We are lucky. Video games, comic books, and corned beef, and a podcast with buddies. That sounds like a full work day to me. It's also St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. So everyone take everything we say with a, a, a grain of salt, like a, a corn of salt that you Ooh. would use to shove onto a, a bit of beef to corn it. Before you corn the beef. cook it, Karen, a grain of salt, a lot of blarney. Holy shit, I forgot that Roman kissed that blarney stone all those years ago. I don't know ago. when this turns <clears throat> racist, you guys. I, I've never <laughs> really been sure. You're right. You're right. That's good. We should and, and uh, don't kiss the blarney stone, the actual, because that's disgusting. We disgusting. do need to be aware of those voices that we're doing. Happy St. Patrick's Day from Mr. William Elmer, one of the greatest friends of the show. Second. Well, not necessarily second, but simultaneous with Andrew Carlson, who I do want to make uh, a special note every single week of doing this podcast to thank for editing our producer, uh, Andrew Carlson, editing the podcast, friend of the show. So the one who great. actually cuts out all of our long silences. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I need to do that either at the beginning or the end, but I just haven't incorporated into my flow yet. And it's Django's Ooh. podcast because this is a, a, a platform to raise awareness to support the man that like shines a light on all of us, shine the light back. All right. Life is a mirror. Let's reflect the goodness that is Django to the people of the world. I'm not Happy St. Patrick's. I'm the source of hey, the light. Hey, Django. What? I'm trying to do something. I thought it was here. mine. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm, this hey, generosity, Jeff, will you read that email, This please? generosity can only go so far, bud. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day, episode 262, Ruminants, in honor of George Perez and the re release of his Avengers JLA book and everyone that everyone is vying to get their hands on. I was thinking a lot about crossovers. I just think there are the, they are the coolest thing, especially the ones that seem impossible to exist nowadays, like the Avengers JLA crossover. So I had me wondering, what is your absolute dream crossover combo? Regardless whether it has been done before or not, which characters would you love to have a new crossover story with? Not just that, but which writers and artists from any time, alive or dead, would you like to, want, like to see write and illustrate the crossover? May the leprechauns dance over your bed and bring you sweet dreams. William Elver. P.S. Every email I have ever sent has always been a contest entry, but the contest has always just been for your hearts. <laughs> uh, Django, Will did remind me, I think that the, the contest that we were bartering off for everybody who writes an email in was for one of those Avengers versus JLA. Uh, Avengers, Avengers did we say that out loud? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Will, Will did text They're me all that. on eBay. Will did text me that. Um, but he was joking. Django, while I make myself another St. Patrick's Day drink, can you tell everyone what we're doing with those and why they are on eBay? Yeah, so uh, Marvel and DC teamed up to release the Justice League versus Avengers book by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. And uh, it's a, a benefit for the Heroes Initiative. Uh, George Perez is sick with uh, cancer. He, he doesn't have very long left to live and uh so he, he was as the artist on that book uh they they set up this fundraiser for him and a lot of stores ordered a ton of these books and they only printed seven thousand of them so they sent them out to all the stores that ordered them i think stores got between three and five is the number that it sounds like from from what i know and uh, most stores seem to be doing some sort of fundraiser for the Hero Initiative. Um, 
Some of them are doing raffles. Some of them are auctioning them off in store. The laws in Washington state are a little bit wonky. So we are just eBaying it with all the proceeds going to the Heroes Initiative. And uh, it's a really cool organization that supports comic book creators who are in need because uh, I don't know if you know this, but comic creators don't, they don't get insurance. They don't get medical help. You know, the industry the doesn't arts. support them at all. Yeah, it's the arts. Uh, you you can have a ten billion dollar opening weekend, and uh, you, you pay the the guy who created the character a high five and a credit at the very end of the movie, right after the songs. So the Heroes was, Initiative helps those people out. I bet that was perfect, Django. I'm going to do the rundown now. <laughs> All right. Oh wait, sorry. Do we need to do we need to yeah, answer Will's question? Yeah, don't we need to answer Will's question? Oh my God, I'm so sorry, guys. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day has got me running a month. Crossovers. It says something about myself that the first thing I started doing was trying to like make up like what is the best Fantastic Four crossover. I'm not sure why I always go to the Fantastic yeah. Four for issues. Who would it be? Um, I mean, for me, I think what I would like the most is a crossover that's not Marvel and DC. I think I would like to see a crossover that is Marvel or DC and some obscure image or pulp character or something like that. Like the, the Batman shadow book was amazing. I really liked that. Uh, I don't think I'd put it in, in my very top. One of my favorite crossovers ever was the, the shadow and the Avenger from, uh, from the Hellfriend Baker run. Uh, that was a really interesting take on both of those characters. Um, okay. I think I that's think I an interesting. It. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Cause I think I got mine, but I'm going to break the question. What, what was interesting. Did I say something interesting? Shower upon me. What I said was interesting. I think that what I thought was interesting was the thought that you made me had. Sorry, I'm a naval gazer. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think I would like to see something along the lines of a comic book with Indiana Jones and the Goonies. What about you, Roman or Jeff? I like what about you, idea. Roman? Um, I, I was loved it, Jenga. I was thinking oh, of creators. I mean, I wish Will said anybody living or dead. I wish Jack Kirby could do a graphic novel or a series with grant morrison and oh my Mar god you're just taking things out of my mouth way to go buddy i great. i thought of that right as you were saying it that's so yeah. good and one and one with mark wade um i would love to see those i don't know about catchers you know it'd be, it'd be fun i don't know maybe it'd be too on the nose to I, it, I thought of like doom patrol and uh i forgot the name of the black hammer team <laughs> the black, the hammer's black hammers oh yeah yeah what is their name the black I hammers think, i don't think that team had a name Oh, I thought they had a name. Um, I don't think so. I think they all just came together. But I guess that's too too. They're too similar. <laughs> but that's I mean, that's that is a good crossover. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be fun. And the ultimate crossover is still the JLA Avengers music, yeah. and that's mm -hmm. so good. Roman, my brand did the same thing. Like I was thinking crossovers, and what is more interesting to me is thinking about the creators that could be crossing over. So I'm like, yeah, give me a Jonathan Hickman and Grant Morrison book, or and that's mm -hmm. what I was thinking as soon as you said. Grant Morrison and Jack Kirby. Like, I just want to see those guys work together. So yeah. creator wise, I'd love to see those writers work together. You know, obviously that's my crossover thing. If I need to put characters to it, living or dead. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say a Grant Morrison book drawn by Jack Kirby would be amazing. And it would have to be, you know, it had to be new gods and X-Men or something, you know, like spawn have to be and, oh, the, cool. and the, the, JLA, the JLI, something like that. But yeah, like you know, the the creator aspect is the more interesting part to me. And then obviously Frank Quietly would draw it, um, mm. and he would have plenty of time too because this is coming from the afterlife. <laughs> I guess I don't, the, don't know. The, though I should clarify, I meant I meant Jack Kirby writing and Grant Morrison drawing. 
Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. They would teach it in elementary schools. We're going to be talking about a handful of books this week on the podcast. We are going to be talking about Batman, Superman, World's Finest. Find out why we love it and Django doesn't. I don't know yet. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh asphalt blues uh, Mm -hmm. a standalone graphic novel that came out this week that all three of us read an ogn that came out this week uh we're gonna talk about uh rad wraith and pentagram of horror number ones both of them we're going to talk about x lives of wolverine number five we're going to talk about quad and we're going to talk about those books. Those are the ones I think. And I scribbled the direction of that while I was saying it. And I made it up right, right then. And good Lord, world's finest. Please take me away. Take you, me away. You scribbled out the direction. Yeah, the direction, new direction of the new direction. That's our name. It's the Irish really episode. Love. It's the Irish episode because it's the old fourth. It's the fourth of Blarney Stone. And on the fourth of Blarney Stone, everyone speaks this way, Django. But it seems like you're uncomfortable to do it. So come dance with, do a little Irish juke with me on the Blarney Stone, my dear little leprechaun I just, man. I just wanted to send us in a new direction. Are you afraid? Are you? Are you? Are you, are you ready for your new direction? I got a plan here. Are you? A, is your new direction any direction but an Irish accent? Yes. Also, <laughs> Lit- Jeff. literally anywhere else. It's buckshot time. You got 90 seconds. Go. Oh, my God. I love it. I read <laughs> Nightwing number 90 this week by Tom Taylor. And this one what was most interesting about this issue was that there was a fill in artist on it. And I can't tell you his name right now. Oh, wait, I can. It's Geraldo Borges. Uh, really interesting to see a Nightwing issue drawn by somebody that's not uh, the artist that has been on the book. Though I can't waste time talking about who that artist was, but uh, they're fantastic. <laughs> Um, now it's all I can think about. Anyway, this was a really good issue, but what I liked so much about it was the way that Nightwing tied into the Flash. And they really just reaffirmed the idea that Nightwing's best friend is Wally West. And I think that's the thing that really needed to happen with Tom Taylor leaving the, the Heroes in Crisis thing the way that it had. We needed some other tether to Wally West into the main DC universe outside of just being the son of a Flash or some other tertiary character that could have been left in the dust. We needed that person that everyone loves right now tying them to the main universe. So I really, really like that. And I also read Batman the Night number three. We didn't get any A covers this week. We only got B covers. So if that's why that's in your file, because we didn't get those i really like seeing bruce wayne with this girl character that's like the assassin and this one we read we meet Henri Descartes. we kind of do a new take on Henri Descartes' role in bruce's life mm-hmm. that's a thing that i wish we got ironed out a little bit more firmly places because it's all a little bit wishy-washy everyone's got a different story about the way that he had a role in batman's life within the last like five years i've had like three or four different versions of that totally fine but i really like in the way that this one is trying to create a canon for that time in batman's life or bruce's life i think that we need to iron out and all agree upon what is on Card's role in his life and i think within this one they're attempting to do just that that was good jeff you uh Jay, that was so much fun you just a, out of the blued me on a, with a with a buckshot the new direction i love the that new direction and i don't even know if we're going to do the other two buckshots right now or not i guess no, we're that's not. up to you guys <laughs> no that's it rando we call this person we call this season three episode five rando buckies rando buckies hey did you guys read the world's finest number one by mark wade and dan mora i did but it's a I big want... old crossover with Jerry Seinfeld, at least on one of the covers. Uh, I want Roman <laughs> to take us away with this one. Roman, take us away, buddy. Oh, this was so bad. Uh, it was just rough. kidding. It was freaking <laughs> excellent. Even starting with the new logo, whether it's got a little bat in the W and a little Superman shield in the in the E and finest. Mm, I didn't notice that. Clever. Oh, you're right. Oh. That's great. Very nice, Roman. Good. I catch. love it. I love it. Oh, I love this book. It was it was so much fun. Mark Wade and uh, uh, Dan, Dan Mora. Mora. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all those great, great, big, fun Mark Wade. I mean, this is 
his return to DC. It's him writing Superman, his favorite character. It's beautifully colored. Uh, oh, Camera Bon Villain. Bon Villain, yeah. Um, and it's just great. It starts off, you know, I think it's set a little bit in the past, but there's a Poison Ivy's in Metropolis and Metallo, and they do something mm-hmm. awful to Superman. And, and it's got uh, Tim Drake, Robin, because mm-hmm. it's a little while ago. Um, they do. There's so many great moments. Uh, the Penguin hits Superman or... Oh, Penguins teamed up the, some uh, weaponeers from Cord who use lightning bolts as weapons. They throw one at Superman, and Mark Wade gets to write the the like boom, it tickles scene. <laughs> I thought that was so awesome. I love that this issue like it starts with this way that Batman and Superman are needing to interact. Like again, you got a world's finest Batman and Superman story. We need to start that off with an incident where like both of them. Their challenge levels are met, but we're also simultaneously tying together what good buddies they are. Because this is world's finest. Mm-hmm. Like the main thrust of this needs to be that those guys are buddies. So what I loved is that they start this like eight or nine page story that follows up on the detective courts or detective comic backups that Wade had done. His first time back was doing some backups in detective comics the last couple of months. And they oh. said like this will be finished in this issue of World's Finest, like the Poison mm-hmm. Ivy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But then they they do that Poison Ivy thing, and then they just do a really great jump back in time. And I love that Gotham City years before the attack, and it's got Batman in a different costume, Robin in a different costume. Uh, it shows Superman interacting with the two of them. It just like reaffirms Batman and Superman's connection because the it's a flashback to like an instance of the two of them kind of like. Uh, establishing their trust with one another and then later on in this issue it harkens back to that so i just i think that was told in a really good way it wasn't like hey superman you remember that we're good friends and we solve these crimes like it just it goes we get this narrative that's interspliced by this nice narrative right in the middle but you can tell by these uh different costumes and you know the i i liked that mechanic a lot and then the doom patrol shows up which is roman written all over it and there's the sound effect fafoom when <laughs> Superman hits the ground. It's pretty great. Yeah. yeah, there's just a lot. You know, Mark Way loves the Silver Age, and there's so much great Silver Age bits in here. Roman, that's a great point. I think that the presence of the Silver Age, I think, is just something that's been missing from DC for a number of years. Like yeah. the, the way of honoring and writing the Silver Age, like as it, like writing the modern age at age mm-hmm. as if the Silver Age could exist within it. Like you know, that's the thing that like Morrison does really really well and wade does well too but wade has been gone for years yeah yeah i mean the the you know the plot point of using red kryptonite and mm-hmm. all the changes but figuring out a way to make it rapid changes all within one story right, that's totally silver age and then yeah. like scientifically show it as well like he gets turned to yeah. stone at one point like yeah 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 wade i i sent roman a text message on like tuesday night and i was like dude i don't know how we made it all the way through that maybe it was wednesday morning but like how great is it that we get to live in a world where mark wade is coming back to dc comics was essentially <laughs> yeah. the, the message that i sent him like we didn't you know it's it's wonderful he is he is i i can't think of somebody who has more love for the idea of superman than mark wade yeah yeah and there's you know shadowy villains behind things in the shadows but i mean i already guessed who one of them is but but uh, you can tell by the horns is um, it Mangog? Oh, that's a good one, but I don't think so. Who is I, it? I think it's an old Superman villain called Satanish. Ooh, I like that too. But maybe it is Mangog. I mean, Mangog. No, I, was, I didn't. I don't know. Well, Satanish. he was heavily featured in Mark Wade's Kingdom Come, and yeah, the Lightning Saga, like the Justice, the stuff yeah. after that, the Kingdom and stuff. Can I tell you guys two, two, two of my favorite parts of this? Well, Roman, yeah. actually, Django. Sorry, can I? On Wednesday morning, I got the feeling maybe you didn't like this as much as I did. 
could you could you tell me your feelings on this before you just tell me a spot that you like? Not that that's not a great thing to do, but what, what, why did you feel me? Roman? No, sorry, Django. Did I call oh, Django okay. Roman? I believe yeah, it's St. Patrick's Day. Roman. It's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's been drinking the green beer. Yeah, the GB, that, if you know what I mean. That Guinness. Um, I thought it was fine. I I guess I don't get as much enjoyment out of the Silver Age absurdity with Batman and Superman as you guys do. Um, and I can appreciate your appreciation of it. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't pull me along in the same way that it pulls you guys along. That that totally makes sense. As soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, I do, I do love when the modern era can kind of admit how much it owes to the silver era and then try to legitimize the silver era in the modern era, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not super common, but no, you're right. I, I do love that. And I don't know if I would, I mean, I, th- I think this is really good. I, I don't think it's bad. It just doesn't um, interest me in the same way that it interests you guys. And it might be that it's tied to Batman and Superman. And I have very specific expectations for those mm-hmm. two characters in, in a story. Um, at least expectations for the the story that I'm going to enjoy the most. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I, you know, Mark Wade's great. There's a lot of little nice little touches in here, like Roman was saying, and the the Doom Patrol showing up is awesome. The Red Kryptonite is pretty badass, and I think that as a creator, Dan Mora gets to choose what he puts in the background of the Batcave, mm-hmm. and that shot of the Batcave is super cool. Like you have to have the dinosaur, you have to have the penny, mm-hmm. you have to have the card, and then you get to choose your Batmobiles. And he chose two super cool Batmobiles, <laughs> and he chose the batman 89 batwing i like that yeah and i think i think that that is the killing joke bat computer it's also the duck from batman returns that yeah it is is. um, so like i i really i i always like seeing what an artist does with i do too with the bat cave and then i think oh go ahead is that red batmobile is that the very first batmobile yeah i feel like it was I, i can see it on a golden age comic yeah yeah. I also loved just right after that page when Penguin would go to the flashback with Penguin and Robin. Um, he mentions that like he had hired these people, you know, they were for hire and they're from the anti-universe of Quard. I mm-hmm. love that reference and bringing those characters in there. And that that that's great as well. R- Django, I guess. Uh, sorry, what was the thing that you liked? And then I'm just curious, what was your score for it? My uh, my favorite panel was when Batman jumps off the building. And he grabs Robin and Robin says, bat rope. And he says, bungee ready <laughs> I, I like that that is probably my favorite panel i've read this month that's a super good segue Django. bungee ready Seven. ready uh buckshot go oh for crying out loud i that's, read the, you're wasting seconds bud shit balls i read uh, blue and gold number seven of eight uh this one was interesting it's it's jurgens with a couple of different artists it's got um phil hester and eric glapster on art for some of the pages and paul pelletier and norm rapman on the other pages those two creative teams couldn't be more different and i really really like them both um this just kind of continues the the blue and gold it brings in the new blue beetle and brings in a, a big old bad guy at the end i just really like these two and i don't know if you guys saw it but the two guys from that hospital show said that they want to do zach braff and his buddy from Faison. scrubs want to be yeah. booster and beetle that would be amazing for 100 oh my god um rain number three joe hill's rain number three just 
kind of continues this spectacular art and slow slow boil of a thriller story in the uh, as the world ends and i don't know the art is a little bit grotesque and and gorgeous and i would say we should probably uh force this book on everybody i finished regarding the matter of oswald's body i think that'll make a better trade than it does issues because i kept getting lost in the characters Uh, i read the silver coin this one was only michael walsh and it goes back to the pilgrim guy from an uh, from a previous issue and i think maybe to a witch from a previous issue as well um unfortunately i didn't like the story as much i love your new game django in fact I'm sweaty I'd i say hate i'm it. in love with it if we could just call if we could just make it a thing that buckshots can happen at any moment on the new season of the show i i like that what were your scores on the book? Did I do my scores in the book? Oh, who knows? No, I'm, fuck it. We'll do, yeah, no scores on random buckshots. So what was your score for uh, that, that first book that we were talking about there? Seven. Seven. Roman, what was your score and final thoughts for World's Finest? World's Finest, I gave it a 10. I gave it a 9.5. I Roman... I, spe- I especially give the Jerry Seinfeld cover a 10 because yeah. that just everything about that particular issue with that cover was perfect. For me. Roman, I'm getting a little bit of nervousness because I hope that my game with Django didn't stomp on your ability to voice any concerns or sorry, not concerns, but, uh, affectionate ideas about that book that you didn't get to because I also loved I it. I don't think so. I mean, I even like I even love the fact that it was Tim. We got to see Tim Drake, Robin and Dick Grayson, Robin in the flashback. And I but that. they did it, but they didn't really call attention to it. And they both both of them had lines where they're like, and Robin, come on, I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just uh so what was your, you give it a 10 and oh, yeah. 9, 9.5 yeah for me it's just uh i love getting to see these characters removed from the dogma of modern continuity like mark wade has a deep enough love for the history of these characters much like grant morrison that he can tell a batman story and doesn't feel necessarily like it's coming from right now mm-hmm. and that's what i would like from a batman and superman story right now in my life because i'm getting other yeah. very good modern ones you, you know you saying that made me it popped in my head what i want to see mark wade do is have a moment somewhere in this series where they're both just talking and find out oh your mom's name is Martha. Hey, so's mine. That's awesome, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think my resistance to that is that my nostalgia for comics is unfortunately in like 1991 and 1992. And so if you were to give me a nostalgic Superman or Batman story, it would be along the lines of Denny O'Neill and um, Norm Brayfogle and the superman would be those guys that were drawing stuff two three four years before the death of superman so for me it's not that it is hearkening to a nostalgic era for me because that's not my nostalgic era for me it's it's proving that modern dour things can't exist without an optimistic presupposition you know like like Mm -hmm. the dark era of superheroes exists as a a pendulum swing in response to how optimistic and overly powered and positive they were and we're still living in the tail end of the dour end i think and i think that it's i love seeing that mishmash that like that so it's not nostalgia for me but it's like show me how the dark can exist with the light and i I really like that and that's what it did that's very grant morrison of you it is no i mean i hate I own a comic shop because I got really into Grant Morrison when I was getting into comics. Yeah. Um, That's not an insult. No, I know. I just fucking coward, (laughs) man. It's so awesome that like we do this podcast and I can just use it to sort of like shine a light on my friends and like the way that they raise me up and inspire me. And I can hopefully like bring the voice of the, the mass media to them as well. Like we're getting picked up and 
you know, country after country at this point. I just wanted to know how great Django is, specifically Roman also, but everyone knows how great Roman is. So speaking um, of pendulum swings, you garbage person, what's next? I want to talk about asphalt blues. <laughs> um, for several reasons. The first, this is a book that I read. It was a standalone graphic novel, 200 and something pages, came out this Tuesday. I was excited about it and I ordered a fair amount of it and I didn't remember why until it came in and I read it and I was like, oh yeah, Django, I ordered this because you and I were going to fucking read this book. <laughs> um, and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Roman read it as well. And that's why I read a little bit fewer books this week is because I read that on, like I pulled over on the side of the road on my way home and sat and read the entire thing in my car. Um, I don't remember the credits. I'll read them as soon as somebody else starts talking. I'll, I'll Google those. But uh, Or if Django wants to pull those up, um, that would be awesome. But this was a book that I saw solicited that had something to do with an exploration of the idea of adults who were in a powerful relationship when they were young. And then it does a jump forward and it's about how the relationships of our past sort of influence and intersect the relationships of our current. And that seemed like a really interesting idea to me. And I'm really curious to hear what the two of you thought about it. I'm also humbled that both of you would read a book that like kind of screams Jeff. Um, <laughs> so like, and, and forego other things on a. I don't know, man. Like it, it was not out of my I, well, no, I at all. I agree. I, I ordered it as a sort of like Django and I have a weird overlap and it is kind of this, but I, yeah. I think I'm a little bit more softy to it. Uh, the only credit that I see in Diamond is Jowen, J-A-O-U-E-N. I think he wrote and drew it. He wrote and drew it and there's <clears> a translator because it is a foreign comic that was translated to English. Mostly Romans well. actually got it there. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know that I love the the way that the characters are maybe rewarded by the end mm-hmm. i don't know if we can really have a conversation about that without spoiling something that i think i'm just gonna i'm suck. gonna toss out a real quick so it starts out in like <clears throat> a couple years in the future and this male and female are in a relationship and they've had an argument and they're trying to resolve it and ultimately they break up mm-hmm. And one kind of has a problem specifically with the way that the other lives their life. And then we jump like 13 years into the future. And that's where the bulk of the story takes place. And we see both of them in different relationships, struggling with their relationships. Somehow, however, they have both kind of changed the shoe. So the guy that was showing up home at like late at night because he was working or hanging out is now the guy who's very dedicated. But the girl who had a problem with that is now showing up home late at night because she's working on work or... You know, the, 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 there's, there's just a weird mirroring of what one had a problem with their old relationship with and the way that now they are perpetrating that forward in their current relationship. And it kind of comes to a head in that aspects of their life sort of, I guess, come to a head without directly coming to a head. And then they're giving, given the op- opportunity to sort of resolve their issues in their relationship informed by some of the stuff that happened in their past by their previous relationship. It's very relationship heavy. I'm realizing while describing it, but, but also it's also kind of sci-fi shit that I love. heavy. But it's you know, yeah, it's by a guy who does like a lot of futurist sci-fi screenplays, and then did this. And so Django and I tossed it back and forth a little bit. Um, Roman, what did you think? We haven't heard at all what you think about this. Um, I it's got a beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I thought it was okay. It didn't really grab me. I didn't. I I liked the the way the characters lives were intersecting, but they didn't know it. I liked all that. And there were certain scenes I really liked, like, like when he has to swim five miles to get away from the mm-hmm. plant before it explodes. Um, 
but the characters, I, I felt like the characters were all pretty flat and unlikable. So that make, kind of made it hard for me to care about mm -hmm. the relationships. The ending was interesting because it's, you know, ambiguous, I thought. Yeah, I yeah. that's that's a good point. I also think the male in it was hugely unlikable. I thought the female Yeah, the two guys was, especially are. But the female was likable. But to me, I think the point was that kind of everybody is unlikable. Like if you're in a relationship and you have a problem with somebody else, well, like try and examine that. Because if you bail on that relationship and go to another relationship, you might be the one doing the thing that bothered you. I um, guess the the problem that I had with it though is that they didn't they they never really acknowledged that they that the shoe was on the other foot. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the the dude was cheating and she left him and then she's kind of cheating in probably a pretty similar way. It seems like it's never we don't know that the guy was cheating really off the, out. and the offset, though. It seemed like he was like he, he was he on was, the phone with a he, girl. He still had a relationship with somebody that he was doing the to. exact same thing that she yeah. the, the other girl was doing. And I don't know that she ever admits that in the book, you know, like I, I don't think that she acknowledges to the reader that she understands that she is doing the thing that was a deal breaker for her before but it's and also slightly slightly different because yeah after her relationship with um the guy mickey or mikey whatever his name is um and then she's with tim and she yeah she cheated on tim once apparently 10 years beforehand but her previous relationship with mikey he apparently cheated on her for two years maybe he did i guess my read was that he had maybe cheated on her with this girl but he was still staying in phone contact with that girl yeah. and that's mm -hmm. what the girl felt like was cheating and then as she grew up she had cheated on her man with this guy and maybe they stopped but she was still having a relationship with him in the fact that he was a business partner so it's like yeah. essentially in my mind the same thing i think what you guys are saying is, is totally valid i in my mind, just like what I liked so much about this book, Asphalt Blues, is one, the way that the art was mediocre, but the coloring was superb. Yep, like yeah. the first quarter of it is a, a flashback or a memory. And then the final three quarters are based on that. But that first quarter is colored in a way that is beautiful. And it, to me, uh, sort of harkens back to the way that thinking about the past influences our memory. Mm -hmm. Everything was perfect there. And I loved that. And then I loved that in the final bit, both relationships are flawed. But I guess maybe just where I'm at in my life right now, it's nice to see the idea that you can look at the past and value the perfection of it. And then also just realize how flawed it is and how like nothing in the past was perfect. You're, perpet like, you're perpetrating the same shortcomings you had then in your current relationships, even if the shoe was on the other foot. Um, there, there's like a the, the circumstances of life around you change, but who you are, you know, doesn't change unless you're changing it. So it's like this sort of like this ring around a stone or something. I don't, I don't know. I really liked the way that it uh, made me feel good about my per current relationship, even though I love and value my previous relationship as well. It wasn't like, hey, your past is better. Go chase that. It was like, yeah, your your present is a struggle and the past is always through rosy colored you know, glasses, but you need, I don't know, it, it resolves with needing to work on the present rather than valuing the past. I, th I think it's interesting because none of that is really told to you in this story. Like none of it is told to you. None of it is told to you. You don't really get a feeling for how either of these characters feel about the other one after the flash forward. Like they don't seem to be missing each other or hung up on each other at all well the they, guy is though he like fantasizes about her picking up her in the pool and picking him up in the pool and he's he's remembering it right is he well, fantasizing yeah. 
I guess that's the point. I don't know. Like, I love that. Like, what is the difference between a fantasy and a memory? Yeah, I took it as fantasy, especially that couple weird sequels, like when he's fantasy about her and the wolf. I think that's, or is is that the woman in the limo? I don't even know who the woman in the limo was. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was, that was two women. I don't know. It, it just seemed to me like it was a story about people that you could layer on your own feelings more than most stories. Like it, it Mm -hmm. didn't, it didn't have a goal to tell you how to feel about anybody in the story. It was like, here are these people and you can judge them or not judge them. And I think that Jeff, definitely you and I probably read very different things out of this same story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't, I don't think that that book helps you feel good or bad about your current relationship. I think that that book helps you think about your current relationship. Yeah. No, I, I, for whatever I said, yours was better. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, <laughs> is, like, this another bit? is this another fucking bit? No, it's not, but I do want to shine the light because I know I, I, I think you're totally right. I think that what this is, is a scaffolding to project your life onto. And that's what I love about art. And I think that so much, I think if you're in a transitional stage and if you are sensing motion or if you feel like you need to think about something, like art is the best way in my personal life to sort of work through things, like work Mm -hmm. through the projections of people who have built something that means something. And, um, and, And working through this art did good to me. But I think you're right. I think that like maybe there's a difference in the types of art that exist and maybe there's something that is built for enjoyment and there's maybe something that's built for like work and built through working mm-hmm. through. And I don't I don't think this thing is enjoyable as much as it is like a helpful tool with maybe thinking about where you are in your life. And I, I, your look at that, I think is really, really good. And that's why. Study. Yeah. Character study. And just like so much of my life is like, well, there's a character. There's Kurt right. Cobain. How similar am I to Kurt Cobain? Well, I'm 80% similar. Well, he ended there. Like, what's that 20? Right. You know, I don't know. I just like, that's just how my brain works with fictional people or non-fictional people. So Can I give I it an 8.5. Okay. I, I, I give it an eight. And I just wanted to say that um, everything we just talked about kind of skips over the technology and the future stuff in there yeah. and the intrigue, which I thought was pretty interesting. It was almost like um, a Black Mirror story where you take the technology and don't make it the main character. Right. Right. And I I really enjoyed having that backdrop of watching the tech change and improve over the course of 18 years of story or whatever this was. Yeah. Yeah. Roman, any final thoughts for you with your score? That's so interesting how we each got different things that reflect our own, our own stuff. Well, that's what I like so much about shit is like when you can feel like the reflection out of it. Yeah. Cause I ended up at the end of it feeling like, Oh, well, yeah. Relationships are my cynicism. It, it brought out my citizens because I was like, yep, that's how relationships go. They eventually end in heartbreak and you go on. <laughs> um, <laughs> to me, it was in like. In fact, they had a character, one of the women. Mm-hmm. Was it the woman that, oh, Mike, Mickey, Mikey, whatever his Mick. name is. His future girlfriend, who's a dancer, then has her accident, who I thought was the most likable character in the book. I, I think she says at some point, maybe, that uh, men are all cowards and and. They'll just wait until, you know, we make the decisions, the women. I was like, yep. (laughs) Uh, I gave it a 7.5. I really liked how much their lives mirrored each other. Like that first quarter stuff happens and the final three quarters um, other stuff happens and they kind of live out the thing. And I think that you can read into that more and more and find more and more in there. Can Um, I ask one question of you guys? Please. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was watching it and there was no one for me to identify with or put myself into. A hundred percent. 
hundred okay, percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, but like, so that's not just me being a robot. No, it's like for me, when I'm looking at relationships, like it's like, what do I identify with? And if I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, I identified in that graphic novel, Asphalt Blues, with components of each character, which is mm-hmm. why I think it worked really well as a thing that I could overlay myself upon, just like you said. Yeah. Like if I yeah. can remove myself from like gender and purpose in life and profession, like there's aspects of both of those I was really able to understand. I do want to thank both of you <clears throat> for reading a whole fucking graphic novel because i was fucking excited about it and i uh, love doing it i do too and it's not that often that like a thing makes me want to read all of it so uh, asphalt blues you know i kept thinking like do i want to keep this is this a book that i love enough that i want to keep and i don't know about that but i just think that art should be used in a way to like understand yourself more and i think this Mm -hmm. is a really great example of that reckoning war dan slot javier rodriguez roman and i maybe only oh yeah oh yeah um roman we talked to rodriguez we talked a little bit about this. Uh, did you read this? I did read. Oh, yeah. I, I was especially, I mean, I was going to read it anyway, but I was especially excited after you told me on Tuesday yeah, or Wednesday so, yeah, or whatever, when I had that, read how much it, you liked it. Yeah, well, I had read it and you hadn't read it yet. So what did you yeah. think? Oh, I loved it. I mean, this was another just great Silver Age homage type of story. Big Marvel cosmic event, you know, involving the FF and the Watcher and the Silver Surfer and Galactus in this one. So, you know, you got you got to love that. And Rodriguez... I didn't know he was going to be the artist on this issue and his art is always beautiful. And, and you're right. It's not quite as strange as his usual art, like on his silver surfer series, but uh, except on the second page, when they put the Uatu in the, uh, yeah, that ex- seat of all knowledge. And that's a crazy weird floating chair with a giant well, eyeball just, on it. You know, when you look at like Javier Rodriguez on the secret history of the Marvel universe with, you know, Al Ewing or whoever wrote that awesome six issue thing. Um, you think about who wrote that maybe Mark Wade or something, but it might've been Mark Wade, but uh, his art was flowing and crazy and incorporating uh, different time frames of the Marvel cosmos within frames. And this is actually singular narrative focused comic booking like it's it's characters standing around having conversations and doing things and that was it's gorgeous when he does it but it almost took me a minute to like acclimate like oh my god you're not doing this crazy jh williams the third like Mm. panels melting into panels stuff um and it's nice to see him do that he's an incredibly versatile comic book artist and then the writing i thought was fantastic dan slot um you know he wrote spider-man forever and i just didn't care for any of it and i found myself like two-thirds of the way through this issue totally blind to who was writing it it was just this crazy story about the marvel cosmic universe that i was very on board for it was like a it was a a re well so yeah sorry roman to steal it from your mouth this is a what if story of what if the watcher had never interfered with the marvel universe but they don't address it like that um it's the trial of the watcher. And what I love, spo- Roman, can we spoil? I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah Let's yeah. spoil. What we spoil in this one, I didn't want to say to you when we were talking about it earlier, is that the, the re- revelation is that if the watcher had never interacted with the Marvel Universe, it would be much better off. So the ultimate criminal of the Marvel Universe is Uatu the Watcher. And I thought that was really interesting because I've said on this podcast of the issues that I could seek out the most in the entire world, Fantastic Four of 48 through 50 are the ones I would want to. And that's first Uatu and Galactus and Silver Surfer. What do you think? Can I, you mentioned those issues and I, I forget where it is somewhere in here. I noticed Rodriguez on a street scene, there's a car that its license plate is FF 48, oh. 49, 50. <laughs> Man, I read one oh. in fucking Wolverine that we'll talk about later, but I they ah, had a yeah. license plate and I was like, what is that code? I wish Django read this. 
I I love this because that that uh, that premise for this issue and the next the following issues where the other watch I mean the last uh, what was it the Reckoning War Alpha you know you have to call all the watchers together including his father um, who I didn't know was around to and says we have to interfere we have to blah 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 the Reckoning whatever these aliens they're coming we have to stop them and his dad and the other watchers throw him in this chair and pry his eyes open and make him watch these things because i say you know you've interfered enough and that and and using that as the framework for what if the watcher you ought to hadn't interfered in all these different stories you've been looking uh, in these dark universes your whole life well now we're gonna look at the, we're gonna force you to look at the one where you didn't get to be the hero yeah and it was so fun seeing, angsty it was fun seeing all the um there's a splash page that has a bunch of the characters from different issues of the original what if run. And, and it was just fun seeing that. And I just love the way they put that premise in there. Cause it's a lot of fun to explore. I mean, I don't, I don't, it's a fun idea. I don't think it's true in quotes. <laughs> if uh, that, if you want to hadn't interfered that things in the Marvel universe would be so perfect. I think that's a fake out maybe by his dad or I don't know why, but. Well, isn't that the point of, what if stories in the olden days where a what if story showed what if this thing hadn't happened and the ending was always oh everything sucks way worse like if gwen stacy hadn't died all this other bad shit happened pretty often but not always i mean i think like if i don't remember if the like what if spider-man joined the ff turned out badly for everybody maybe it did like the what if Conan was in, it's so funny. All these stories have been put into regular Marvel universe. Now, what if Conan <laughs> was in our time that turned out fine. <laughs> the original story. I think mistake, it's then. interesting to just, you know, this is Marvel continuity. So I, I guess I started thinking about what you two were talking like, man, I want an omnibus of like, you know, what if, the like the just the questioning of the way that the marvel universe has been constructed i really like dan slot in this i do not like dan slot very much when he's writing one like the street level spider-man daredevil stuff but i really like him when he's like his silver surfer run we all loved mm. that like we talked yeah. about on the podcast and when he's talking about like kind of governing the nature of the marvel universe i like that a lot i think he's got a great finger on the pulse of what the marvel universe is i don't love his character to character writing that much although i think everything in this issue was fantastic like down to oh yeah fantastic for um and it also doesn't hurt that he's got one of the best marvel universe artists doing the art for him (laughs) and all this but um it just it worked for me like it was you know, this is something that belongs in the same hardcover collection that the Marvel history of, you know, the universe belongs in. Like it's a, and Dan Slott did it in his Silver Surfer run when like Eternity was being attacked and the Silver Surfer like needed to, like they had Eternity touch fingers. I forget it exactly, but um, I haven't read Reckoning War stuff except for this issue because it was kind of a small week. But it sounds like that's what this whole thing is kind of relating to is eternity is under attack. The Marvel universe is under attack. And I think Dan Slott is really, really well suited for that type of story. So I gave this one a nine. I, I think the art was incredible. And two thirds of the way through it, I just forgot that Dan, I had to stop me like, who's writing this? Oh, fuck. This is Dan Slott. Like, this just feels like the canon version of what the Marvel universe is doing. And yet, oh, wait, this is Dan Slott. Sometimes you get stuck in a rut and you write Spider-Man for a thousand years and and it doesn't seem like you have any new ideas because they just kind of pigeonholed you into that, you know? And and you then you do a good thing with a sad watcher. Yeah. yeah what do I you think, give it, Roman? I think or his cosmic stuff. Surfer. His cosmic stuff and, and his run on She-Hulk. Those were oh. his best things, I think. Yeah. I gave it yeah. a 10. Nice. It's my a second 10. 10 for the week. 
I didn't know that 10. Um, yeah, it's, it's high up there for me too. And I, I haven't been reading anything surrounding it. So again, I just always yeah, try to be the voice I, to endorse, like pick up a comic book. Like for me, this is a writer I like ish and an artist I love with a character. I love the watchers. Just, just pick up a comic. That's what they're for. It's yeah. And it's really exciting. Cause I read, I've been reading fantastic four and I read, uh, Reckoning War Alpha, which I, I don't remember, but I assume that was written by Dan Slott as well. And the Alpha issue, I mean, it was fine. It didn't really get me all that excited. And so I went into this thinking that there would be more of that. And it was, it blew me away. Blew me away as well. I adore you, Roman. Hey, Django. Uh, yeah, buddy. You got, you got a little, I need a, I need a sales pitch. You got, you got something cooking up over there that I have no experience with at all. I don't know that Roman does either. What is going on? You mean Rad Wraith or Pentagram of Horror? I mean Quad, baby. Quad. All right. Quad, story and art by Diego Sanchez. Uh, This issue is called Walls. I believe this is the third issue from Behemoth. I don't know where this guy's from. I think he's maybe South American. And he's built a world where like the, the pitch is that there was a massive solar storm that destroyed all technology on earth so global communications are lost nuclear reactors collapse the climate's destroyed and the survivors adapt to the harsh new reality new societies built over the ruins of those that crumbled and this is four generations later and so in this world it's like a mad max wasteland and also there are these walled off cities that people still live in and this is the third issue of one shots so we've we've just had I don't think there's been any crossover between characters or settings. We've just had these nice little vignettes of people in this world. And every single one of them has been way better than I expected it to be, despite kind of mediocre translation in some of them. The art is not anywhere near the best art I've seen. Um, but the, I don't know, there's there's something really compelling about the way that the stories are told. The fact that Steven Tyler makes a special (laughs) appearance in this issue (laughs) and you know there's there's something missing from most comics that i read there's two things missing one is a period at the end of the story because even with something like she could fly you end up with a sequel right and you don't get a period at the end and the other thing that's missing for me is an actual sense of peril and because of the way that these are set up Every issue is a one shot in the world so the characters can die. And if this was the end of the series, it would be okay because you just get these little short stories. It's, it's refreshing. I don't, I, I wish somebody else was reading it so that I could, I could be told that I'm wrong, but I, I think that this is pretty good. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.99 because I can't quite give this book an eight. Give it the eight. <laughs> I can't give it an eight. The art, the art's not great. And the translation is kind of bad, but hey django yeah can i say something yeah what what do you got i think you're great oh buddy (laughs) i think you're pretty great too can i say something i give you a a 9.99 oh my god you're trying to to shine i cannot in good conscience give you something over a nine but that just (laughs) that that is the difference between you and i i'm a cynic i don't believe the world is good and here you are shining a light on me every day saying hey everyone look at this boy 
look at this nude boy and tell me he's not perfect. And I say, oh, please let me pinch my tiny little penis between my legs, pretend that I don't have one and, and awkwardly squirm around. And you say, no, look at this boy, man. And I say, no. Give me my pants back. Give me my pants back. I don't have anything but to talk about X-Lives of Wolverine number five by Benjamin Percy, Joshua Kassar, and Frank Martin. I did a thing that many people looked at me and they said, you will never do that. You are a tiny a tiny penis little boy with their legs clenched together and a little fur patch where little ants play football. Um, but I did it. I caught up on the Benjamin Percy uh, X lives and deaths of Wolverine thing. And I did it with ferocity at a time where I assumed everyone will have read this issue because Jenga has been loving it, but he has not read the most recent. I just issue. read it, baby. Oh my God, you did. So guys, let's talk <laughs> about this. I caught up on four issues of X lives and deaths of Wolverine by Benjamin Percy and Frederico Vin Joshua Casar. Frederico Vincenti, and I don't have the artist for the X. Uh, oh, well, Joshua Cassara, Benjamin Percy, Joshua Cassara, and who is the deaths person? I'm I'll, sorry. I'll find out while you talk. No, I've got it right in front of me here. Frederico Vincenti. So I said that. Very good. <laughs> Great job, Jeff. Um, I caught up. I think this is the best X-Men book to come out of Dawn of X that has not mm -hmm. been written by Jonathan Hickman. Does that feel mm -hmm. safe to other people? I, I think I could... Uh... I could get on board with that. I think the other best ones were like X-Force, which I was loving when it started, but that was the same creative team. Um, this is this is the best one that I've read. I Granted, I didn't read all that X-Men stuff, but this I've, I've really enjoyed it. What I think that this does well is it promises on the... I, it, it capitalizes on the promise of the Dawn of X stuff, which is the idea of this big future and these bold ideas causing many series to intersect and have ideas that can possibly... Uh, traverse different tr time periods mm -hmm. and this one does that really well it's one narrative is Moira McTaggart trying to restore her mutant powers so that she doesn't die from this cancer after being punished by the mutants in House and Powers of X and the other story is like Wolverine fighting Omega Red across time simultaneously as he invades all significant points of his life in an attempt to kill him and that fucking rules. Yeah. And um, I guess I read all of them today and I forget exactly where X or lives five finishes off. I love actually X five because the art in this series is my absolute favorite in the whole series, but this one is finishes uh, like focuses on the, 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 uh, the pairing off of Wolverine and uh, Omega red. This mm -hmm. whole thing for me has been buoyed by my love of Omega red, but Django, you've been reading it and enjoying it, but you don't have the same nineties affection for Omega red that I do. No, that was, that was within like six months of me dropping off of X-Men for the next 25 years was when Omega red was introduced. Um, I like time travel. I me like too. this art and I really like the history of Wolverine. I think the biggest mistake comics have ever made was probably giving Wolverine definitive origins instead of just, just putting him on a, an eternal quest for knowledge of his past. Um, but this, this specific issue is largely kind of wrapping up the journey through time that they've had. And then Wolverine and Omega red, just beating the shit out of each other. It's definitely and, the penultimate like showdown, like next yeah. issue, it's going to wrap up thing. Yeah. And I really liked, I thought that the, the battle was great. I think the end of the battle looks pretty bad for Omega Red. He's going to have a hard time coming back from that. Um, and the artwork throughout is just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. I didn't get the 
swell of holy shit this is the best comic book comic booking making a comic book that i've ever, ever. read that i got from the last couple of issues of of lives and deaths but panels like where wolverine jumps off the boat and you see his yeah his bubbles going down yeah. in the water and just yeah it's just gorgeous gorgeous art and i'm I really excited to... that the final page brings the two series together and i love that character design of the the other I Wolverine. tried to buy a comic page last week that involved somebody jumping off of a boat and I couldn't find it anywhere. Found oh, every issue up to that. I can't, I can't talk about it. Yeah. I'll tell you in private. Right. Uh, I don't want anyone out here buying it. Off my, but what I liked about this issue, Django, is that this one really tied in. Like this was the one where it tied the two series together. Mm-hmm. X lives and X deaths. And like we've yeah. seen the threads when four and four came out, but in five and five. And what I'm bummed about is it sounds like they're both five issue stories not six issue stories oh that's bullshit and i i each one i want you I got guys x lives i want another issue but it sounds like it might be resolved the next death the um yeah the trade paperback is f- one to five and one to five it's it's the best that this sort of non-hickman x-men universe i think has been between time travel and narrative travel and mm-hmm. uh I, I really like it. Roman, what are you thinking about this thing? Are you, are you liking it? Yeah, I, I like this issue a lot too. And I've been liking the X lives of Wolverine better than the, the, the art X-Deaths. is so good in X lives and the story is yeah. so good in X deaths. Yeah, see, in X deaths, I, I, I just haven't cared about as much as this story. And I really like this. I mean, it's fun seeing just great art. And I love the, the, the way it started off captured me too, because I love Wolverine back in time and different eras, different me settings. I love seeing him on the boat. I was like, man, I want to see a whole comic where it's just Logan back on, you know, working as crew on a boat. <laughs> yeah, show me that. Back in the I, 1800s. <laughs> I've never read Origins. So, um, hey, actually, Roman, that actually reminds me. Um, you Have you read Origins? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. I think, do you know who wrote that, you guys? Paul Jenkins, wasn't it? Paul, I, yeah, I think you're totally right. It? I think yeah. it was Paul so, Jenkins. So, Roman, Paul Jenkins wrote that. If you had 90 seconds to do a buckshot, go! Oh, shine a light. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Crimson Cage number four was... Excellent. Uh, this is the uh, uh, professional wrestling Macbeth comic, and this issue is great. You get you get to see uh, what's her name, Charlene, the our main wrestler dude's wife, um, go full on Lady Macbeth crazy and violent. Um, there's a there's the the manager wants want our hero in quotes to do a heel turn and give up the give up the belt to this new guy, and he doesn't take kindly to that, and it's bloody and awful and there's some they bring in the the prophecies different prophecies but the three prof the two prophecies from the original Macbeth that he thinks guarantee his his ruler i'm gonna read them all this week his ruling yeah and i loved seeing that because they changed the prophecies but they're still prophecies where he's like oh you dumbass don't interpret it that way that's not what it means but he's like <laughs> oh that's totally what it means um read the clay people colossus which is a comic that's based on a song by the clay people who i was only vaguely aware of um and it's it's using the old Gollum myth from Gollum mythology and you know it's pretty good the art's kind of rough but it was a decent story and i love in the back they had these there's a write-up with some great links to some history just about jewish history um judaism the Gollum myth uh neo-nazis because that's part of the story too django you go first django has a quizzical look well i i I was just thinking like when you talk about sasquatch you've also got wendigo Mm -hmm. 
And when you talk and about... And you've got his his girlfriend, Wendy Go. Wendy Go. <laughs> Wendelin Go. And you got their son, Sam Squanch. Yes. And when you talk about like like Superman, you've got Hercules and like yep. all these... Mm-hmm. All these characters kind of mm-hmm. have a mm-hmm. mirror somewhere else. Is there another Gollum outside of Jewish myths? Well, Gollum is like a genre of character. Stone it, it Gollum's all, Gollum. Doesn't it all go back to Jewish stuff? I, I would think so, because, yeah, the Gollum, I didn't read all these history link articles, but, yeah, the Gollum myth, I mean, that's in Judaism, that's from... I don't know if it's ancient, but it's from like way before any of these other a golem me- media is an versions existed. Animated anthropomorphic being in Jewish folklore, which is entirely created from inanimate matter. In the Psalms and medieval writings, the word golem was used as a term for an amorphous or unformed material. Wow. Good like, one, guys. I can't yeah, I can't think of a Roman or a Greek version of a golem or a native version of a golem. No. I mean it's kind of there's kind of elements, like a voodoo doll, but well, that there's, affects there's, a human. There's yeah, elements right. of a uh, homunculus in it, except yep. that it's yeah. it's huge and it's usually made out of clay. I'm, I mean, homunculus can just be Whoa. a miniature person. Whoa. We've gotten really far away from comics, you guys. What, what Roman? What was the first book you talked about? I did it. <laughs> um, the Crimson Cage, number four. It is crazy to me that there is a book that comes into our comic shop that Roman and Django both give tens and Sean gives tens to, and that I have not yet read. And I'm excited to read that. I bet I'll give a 10 to, and nobody else, no one else, (laughs) every single copy of that book that comes into our comic shop goes goes to the stand or to our shop, like our files and no one else buys it. That's crazy. You guys. Are you I, doing I bet, a bad job? I bet the book. I bet the book club will read the trade when it comes out. I'm definitely going to buy the trade when it comes out, mm-hmm. and you will love this. I mean, I will. I don't know why it didn't hit me before. It's probably obvious from the title, but in this issue, in their this future match they're setting up, um, to the Crimson Cage is going to be an actual like hell in a cell cage with a an attached roof because you can't, and that ties into the prophecy that comes up this issue. But it's going to be the, called the Crimson Cage. It's like, oh, of course, duh. I, I thought it was just metaphorical. Nope. There's going to be an actual red cage. <laughs> Love it. Um, you're so goddamn good. Right, right, stop, 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 stop. Ah. Black Caravan Tufer. Tuf, red Tufer. Wraith and the other book that I didn't read. Pentagram of Horror. Pentagram of Horror. <laughs> IDW, I think, maybe Scout. I don't know. Is putting yeah. out this scout it's scout comics owns an imprint called black caravan they put out two books this week called the pentagram of horror rad wraith i read rad wraith number one this is written by tristan gallagher art by christian debari um, co-published by the black caravan leader joseph schmalky no way yeah schmalky <laughs> is in charge of black caravan so you you suckle from the same teat that black caravan does i doubt i love that percent this book black caravan or rad wraith the first half, I was like, this is so bad, it's almost offensive. And then it just got better, Django. Like, the <laughs> yeah. way that, the, like, the skateboarding <laughs> came in and the foreboding. Like, when it seemed like it was being serious, it was bad. And then uh-huh. halfway through, it leaned into the absurdity. And then it was good. What was your read on this? Kind of the same. Like, it it feels like maybe somebody worked for two years trying to crack this story and wrote and drew the first half and then figured it out and just 
powered through the rest of it real quick and, and like found their tone, found their footing. And um, yeah, it's. And then abruptly I just, I just ended love the this issue. guy's aesthetic. Schmalky's. Schmalky has has and he didn't he didn't write or draw this, but he's just got a way of of finding creators that look a certain way and they don't have to be super polished, but they're really interesting to look at for me. That's a wow. Yeah, no, I think you dialed it in. I think that um, these black caravan books, and I think particularly the Schmalky ones have had a tone. And I think that is the strongest driving point. Like the art is not and the writing objectively is not. But right. they all fit into this like grimy, dark magic crime drama. This is modern EC is what it feels it's like. It's modern me. EC. You did it. You did it yeah. again. Holy ah. shit. Well done. Ah. Yeah. I'm pretending and, it's it's earnest. But but when it's schmalky, there's also like 10% more humor than a modern EC would have. Yeah. And yeah. and that's what's really good. So I I actually the the first half of it, I was like. I feel like these guys are going to fucking hate this and bail. But by the second half, I was actually, I thought that like it did what it needed and wanted to do well. Um, and I, I was kind of charmed by it. The turning point for me was not that far in. It was when the kid fell off his skateboard and just yeah, literally tore his face off. I was for like, me this was, is, this is bitching. For There's me no a, other word. For me at that point, it was still like, Oh, maybe it's a little angsty skater drama. But then after that, it was like, no, we're making fun of ourselves. Like, anyway, yeah. uh, uh, I give it an eight. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me it's, too. It's, Solid it's, a, eight. it's a fun horror book. And I don't know what I, I was ex- expecting it to be a one shot, but it's going to be another issue. But the, the Black Caravan folks did another <clears throat> issue this week. And it was Pentagram of Horror. And both of you two read that one. I did not read it. What did you think of that? Ten times better than Red Wraith. <laughs> no, I read the wrong one. You, cho- you, you chose poorly. <laughs> And maybe Roman, maybe Robin can argue with me here. But did, did you read this one, Roman? Oh yeah, yeah. before. Okay, what what yeah. did you think? Yeah, that cover definitely. I was going to read it. Well, yeah, all I, the upside down crosses. It's like yeah, it's like comfort food for you. Well, both Sean and I were like, "You're going to read it? Oh yeah, that looks great." <laughs> um, I liked it a lot. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a. I mean, the art's pretty. It's different, but it's really cool. It um, was amazing. Just, yeah, yeah. I I don't can't think of anything other comic art i could compare it to yeah um, it's it's spectacular yeah yeah great horror story great you know sell your soul to the devil story but there's there's some twist in it that i really liked i mean it's mm-hmm. it's a really horrible story about damnation and and it felt pretty original and the just like the 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 <laughs> gross the, the whole story is dark and kind of angular and weird yeah and when it gets gross it gets like like 1980s hellraiser rape with hooks scene gross you know like just let's there are no standards no kids are going to watch this and if they do we're going to fuck them up for life (laughs) and that's kind of the other part of the schmalky experience that i like is that like he doesn't have those those limits of horror in good taste i think Hmm. and so if you can if you can push those to the very edge he seems to be totally into it and it's yeah it's it's almost hard to recommend in the same way that Red Room is hard to recommend, although the the craft on both of them are like head and shoulders above most comics coming out right now. You got to be willing yeah. to get a little poop on you while you're reading. Yeah. 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 And and it's yeah, it's and yeah, it's yeah, easier yeah, yeah. to take it in, um like, say, a comic like uh, Pentagram here because it's those grossest scenes are set in hell. And OK, that's what you expect from hell. Right. Red, Red Room, it's humans doing it to each other. And it's therefore more disturbing it's not as fun because you know 
if we're going to have a hell story, okay, let's have fun with it and be gross. But you're right. Yeah, he leans it's, into it's the hard to have stuff. fun when it's actually right. when it's humans doing it to each other. But the but the craft in both. Oh yeah, definitely. They're both like tens just on craft. And this one doesn't doesn't take the cross and turn it upside down. This turns the whole church upside down. Yeah. 9.5. Easy 9.5 for me. Wow. Cool. Um, what did I give it? Oh, I gave it a nine. <laughs> nice. Good Lord. I read the wrong one. I read the wrong one. <laughs> All right. We, I, I got one. You want? Yeah, you I can, can still I read can it. walk it over to your house right now if you want it, buddy. Can you walk your car over to me? I'm driving Ash and I down to the Van Gogh exhibit tomorrow and I my car won't start and only has one light. I don't think I need my car at all tomorrow if you want to borrow it. You need to go. I've already got it all figured out. You need to make, you need to make the you need to make the FOC, my boy. Mm-hmm. You I need do to that make, in my car. You need to make the <laughs> FOC, my boy. Oh, I hate this. You need to make the FOC. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing my from software Elden Ring voice. Hi, I'm this the is, woman that you want to hold. Do you this need is to make worse. the FOC, my boy? <laughs> it's worse than when you're nice to me. I don't like it. I don't like Dude, it one bit. If you're listening to this and you have not played Elden Ring, that means you are either old or don't want to buy this game. I'm listening and to this. How do I how do I get this Elden Ring to fit on my finger? Oh, it's so wonderful to watch Django become a Roman. Um, we've all been waiting for it. Um, and this is our podcast. We talk about it comics every week. We love comics. We have a comic shop in Bellingham, Washington. Roman, Django, and I kind of do a fair amount of running it along with a slew of other people. Uh, could not live without them. Andrew Carlson has been editing this podcast for a while. Andrew, thank you so much for editing this podcast for us. Yes, Andrew, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to send an email to us like our wonderful friends did this week, you can do that to jeff at thecomicsplace.com J-E-F-F at T-H-E-C-O-M-I-C-P-L-A-C-E dot com. There's something about that. C-O-M-I-C-S-P-L-A-C-E. God, you're so right. You are (laughs) the man holding on to the bicycle that I am pedaling upon. And I am constantly trying to trying to discern whether or not you are there. And you keep saying you are there holding the bicycle. You don't need three wheels. You don't need three wheels. You can do it on two. And yet when I turn around one day, I know that you will be gone. Call me the corrector. And and I love that day. And I want to look back at you and know that you are my betrayer and my savior. Just don't get hit Uh, by the car. Jeff, Jeff, there's a car. No, we're we're riding around Hofstetter track. It's just a running track. No one's going to hit me. Uh, Um, We would love to hear your emails and your thoughts. We are giving away a very special award one week from today. This is the third of four weeks. If you send us a voicemail or a written email between now and a week from our next podcast, you will get a very special prize. Can we get a date? Because yeah. we don't know when they're listening to this. I don't even know what day it is when we're recording this. I is need it a week you. This from is when it Pat- released. Hey, buddy, this Patrick's is St. Patrick's Day. Day. Remember, you didn't want to be a part of our game, so we had to have a whole different thing today. Roman and I said it's St. Pat- Patty's Day. Our, my, I had my uncle, St. Patty, who went, he was sent to prison because he was a big spanker. And he spanked a lot of the people who worked at banks. He would go to banks and spank the bankers and he would take their money. And he would say, this is my money, yar. And he would hold his fist up to their faces <laughs> and he would growl. Um, but you have something to say and I don't remember what it was now. It doesn't sound like anything to me. 
Irish. That's right. If we have a, if we have a racist agenda, it's probably against the Irish. No, I'm sorry. How do we get out of here? Someone else has to I take us out. Nobody. I don't know, but I thought we'd just sit here and look at you and watch your nope. eyebrows do that thing while you try to figure out what 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 is the day? What is the day that they have to have their contest email in? If it's a um, from the today, recording, seven you minutes, have to have seven. it in by the end of the day on March 24th, 2022. March 24th, yeah. 2022. Yep. Midnight. Huge prizes. Maybe even a photograph of the JLA Avengers comic book. Here's the um, thing. Here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, you have one week to get it in. If I know Jang, if I know Django and Roman and I, it'll probably be like stupidly big. If there's only five people sending shit in, it's probably going to be so big that you wish that you did it. So you should send an email in. <laughs> Um, because we have a room of hundreds of thousands of comics and they're going to go all hundreds of thousands are going to go. If you win, you will get several hundred thousand dollars that you of comics that you need to organize. Um, yes. and then make, and then give back to us in exactly. alphabetical order, but we'll give you credit. Um, <laughs> I am always am Jeff. Thank you. St. Patrick's boys for hanging out with me on this very St. Patrick's episode. Is, is it not street Patrick's? It's Roman's turn to go Speak and then you can do whatever you need to do. <laughs> my guy, my guy that I love. Uh, I want to hold you in my bosom, Django, and celebrate you. I'm Roman. Uh, Slanta. Slant. I'm, I'm Django. Bosom. And that's all. I'm Jeff and I had a question. If you were, if you, if you, no, got nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. We got to change the name of this podcast. <laughs>